Hey everyone, welcome back to Illuminate, a podcast series from Hope Fellowship Church to inspire growth and help you engage in your community. I'm Nathan Beer. I'm the children's pastor here at Hope Fellowship. And I'm Hannah Bowen. I'm the worship arts coordinator. And today we're going to be joined by Pastor Mark Gaskew, um, and we're going to take on the topic of how to dive in, how we can use sermons as a jumping off point for studying God's Word. All right, well, welcome back to another casting of this podcast, Illuminate. (laughs) Uh, I was not here last week, and Hannah did an incredible job. Today, we have joining us Pastor Mark. The Reverend himself is joining us, uh, and we are talking about how sermons can be used as a jumping-off point for studying God's Word. I love this topic because I just finished up a book, The Lost Art of Conversation. It's a book about the Puritans, and they focus all on this idea of conference. And it was a really cool idea that one of the main things that they did was they took what the pastor that Sunday said with such reverence that it was a part of their relationship with Christ. And whatever was said on a Sunday was their source of conversation throughout the week a lot of times. And if you know a pastor referenced a piece of scripture, they would then focus on that piece of scripture for the rest of the week and meditate on it. So it was really cool to read how the Puritans were so um, in tune with what the pastor was saying and, and took it so seriously that it became the source of conversation for them. So we're really going to kind of expand on that. And we have Pastor Mark here to kind of uh, help us out with that. So if you just want to get started, um, well, one, do you want to tell a little bit about yourself if people don't know who you are? Of course, my name is Mark Gasky. My first name is not Pastor. But anyway, it'd be cool if it was Pastor. Pastor be Mark. Weird. Yeah, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be kind of strange, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. And I've been married 41 years to my lovely wife, Reba, who was actually on the podcast last week, who I love very much, and have three boys, two granddaughters, a mate and one granddaughter, which will be here very shortly. Uh, Marcy, who's on staff here at Hope, you know, will be providing that for us, and we're excited about that, too. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a right way to I'd say that's a good way. Okay, that's right. Yes, yes. Um, we planted Hope 13 years ago. Uh, we have, Reba and I have been in the ministry now full-time since we left Lee University in, in, um, in 1981. So you can uh, do the math. That's, that's a that's long incredible. time ago. Yes. And loved it. We are, uh, you know, we've uh, survived it. Not just survived, but I think flourished, and it's been an awesome opportunity for us to serve the kingdom for this amount of years and specifically to serve Hope Fellowship for 13 years since we planted the church 13 years ago. So it's been a super opportunity to do that, and um, we're just excited about what God has for the future and excited to have a conversation with the two of you today also. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think this is really a great opportunity to allow people to hear from you. I feel like as a pastor, you have this burden of casting vision through other people um through different ministry leaders which you balance tremendously um but this is kind of a cool opportunity for you to just explicitly say what your vision for sunday morning worship is so um kind of on this topic of of the role of uh sunday gatherings and and sermons uh in our daily walk throughout the rest of our week how do you envision the role of a sunday morning service functioning in the lives of an individual like what's its purpose 
what should the congregation be striving for the other six days of the week from sure. there? Sure. I think our, our opportunities on Sunday morning, uh, I think, are multi-layered, and, and I think they have a, a many purposes in our life. I think one is definitely about community, and it's so important that we know that as being Trinitarians, that we we embrace that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and how they live in perfect harmony and community together, and thus it calls us as Christ followers to live in a community with one another. That's why I think one reason of such value for us is to maintain, protect that opportunity to come together on Sunday mornings and corporate worship together. I don't think that Sunday mornings were ever or should be designed to terminate on themselves either. I think it should be actually a beginning of something within our lives. It should be a spark for a greater fire, for that greater kindling that we place around our own lives to cause us to love God in a greater way. I, I really think that's the purpose. Of it. If, we, if we walk away from a Sunday morning in that, that corporate gathering um, and not being challenged in our lives to love God in a greater way, either through our words or our actions, then I, I believe that probably is not accomplished what it should accomplish in our lives that day. So I, I always look at it as an opportunity to encourage and challenge. And if we do that through both worship, I think, first of all, we sort of compartmentalize it over the years, you know, especially mm-hmm. in traditional churches where there is the worship segment and then there is the, the giving segment, which we know during the corona, we've eliminated that, and we still pay the bill. So it's amazing, isn't it, that we <laughs> no longer pass the plate? But So it shows us more about the heart than it yeah. is necessarily about anything Absolutely. else. So that's a wonderful thing, which we can, we'll continue to do it this way also. So it's wonderful, I think. But we compartmentalize, and then we have those moments of prayer, and they have those moments of teaching the scriptures and and what I think we realize about it that it's the totality of all of it is worship. Everything yeah. is worship from the moment that we arrive here, and we talk to talk to our fellow brothers or sisters or to someone that's visiting or whatever. That it's all about worship from the moment we arrive to the moment we leave, and then we take that and we live a lifestyle of worship. So it's it never ends or, or ends on itself, but it's a beginning. Yeah, I kind of follow up with that about the you know the balance of you know Acts two says in the homes and in the temple that balance of worshiping here in a congregation all together right. and then also you know taking ownership of it and also doing it throughout the week. What's the what's so significant about even just listening to a message with a group of other people with help? I and mean, we can listen to pot, we put this on a podcast format. We put sermons sure. on a podcast yeah. format. So there's someone listening to it by themselves. What's so significant, though, about doing it with a large group of people? Like, you know, you're just sitting there quietly. You're not really interacting unless you got the ameners or the mm-hmm. mm, good type yeah, people, right, you know. Yeah, but sure. what's, the, what's the significance? I find it always so interesting that I always feel like I'm more attentive in a group of people. But what, do you, what would you say is the significance of being here on a Sunday morning listening to you or someone speak um, with a, a group of people? Right. And I think, first of all, we have to realize that that was never our idea for it to work that way anyway, that truly it was God's idea from the very beginning to create us in community. God looks at Adam in the beginning in Genesis. Everything is good that he has created. He looks at Adam, and Adam's response to all of this is he sees there's a need in Adam's life. Yeah. And, and I've always been very curious about 
<clears throat> how that need came about because it is a perfect world in which God created, but yet there's a need, and need is always associated with lack. So how do you have lack in a perfect world? Yeah. It's, it, it's, they're, they're sort of uh, – they don't relate well to each other. And so that leads us to understand that that need had to be created by God. It was a God-created need within Adam. It wasn't as God looked at Adam and said one day, wow, I gave him all of this. Why isn't he thankful for this? But yet he's, you know, he's missing something. It was a need that was given. So I say that to make a point that from the very beginning, God created us to do it in community. God created us to live in community, to worship in community, to serve him in community, that our faith Maybe I think our faith may be personal with God. Yes, our, absolutely. But yet, I think um, Christianity is meant to be lived out in community with one another. Yeah, I feel like that's a a great setup for motivating us into knowing uh, why we should dive into Scripture. Why it's important to have um, community where we discuss sermons and have gospel conversations. Um, but just on the practical side, how do we have those conversations? How do we ask ourselves those questions? Uh, for Hope specifically, we provide the dive-in resource. Right, um, yes. And that's a weekly set of questions that we put out on our webpage um, to help people have deeper conversations about the content. But how do people get there on their own? Like, what are your thought processes as you are coming up with those questions? Yeah. I think that, one, um, and and here's me personally, and, and this is a practical, practical aspect for me. I'm a note taker. So the, the Sundays that I don't speak, I struggle because I don't have a physical <laughs> piece of paper with me and my pen, right? Mm-hmm. So I find something. I write in margins or whatever, but I find something – because the reason I take notes is not for a spiritual reason, but yet for a very physical reason, and that is I forget. <laughs> yeah, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. And, and so there are always questions that are sparked in my mind and my heart in a teaching series, whoever it is, whether it's Nathan or, or Matthew or whoever, that there's always a question that sparked in my heart and my mind, and I want to explore that more. And it may be sometimes that I'm wondering, hmm, you know, is that the right interpretation or context of that scripture? So I want to search that out more. Is that, how does that apply to my life in a practical way? And so I, I I make notes or questions for myself so I can actually have a discussion later on with just sometimes me and scripture, just the Bible in front of me kind of thing. And, and so I believe it, it sparks those moments of going in, well, we call it dive-in, and we call it that because it's a deeper experience. You know, we're about to start um, this this Sunday our uh, teaching through the book of Romans. Romans is so powerful, and especially for us that are Protestants because of the Reformation. We know that, right? Martin Luther and the, the 95 Thesis, and yet he nails it to the... Um, the, the church door basically taking a stand against that of the um, Catholic Church selling indulgences. In other words, uh, at the way he was taught as a priest was that that you 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 basically work your way to forgiveness. 
And so he comes across this text in the book of Romans, chapter 1, and verse 16 and 17, 17 specifically, and that of how that we live by faith alone. And it's such a powerful text. And I say that to bring us to this point. I read a story about him. And he was asked, he was asked how he would describe or illustrate the book of Romans. And he simply said that it's like a man falling down a bell tower. I don't know if you ever heard this or not. It's like a man falling down a bell tower. So it takes you deeper, right? It's like a man falling down this bell tower and, and the only thing that has to save him is a rope. And so as he's falling down the bell tower, he grabs a rope, and when he grabs the rope, what happens? It rings the bell. And so as we go deeper, I think, into things, we make God known in a greater way. That, that's, mm-hmm. It's, a, it's yeah. a great illustration, right? Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, that as we go deeper, we find that God is our salvation. And when we grab the rope and we hang on to it, it rings the bell. And it makes God known in a more powerful way to many around us. So really the purpose of diving in is to go deeper. The ultimate purpose of to dive in when we leave this place, we go through the text, is that it strengthens our faith. It strengthens our faith so we can make God known in a greater way to those around us. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's incredible to think about just in the, the and going, and because I just finished this book, it is just always ringing true, but just how seriously uh, the Puritans took that concept of diving in and how that truly was a purpose that they yeah. understood that here's this person who has studied scripture for the week prior and who is and somewhat of an expert on scripture and they take that word as extremely valuable in their own life to speak into the scripture that they're going over so that they can grow deeper and go out and make that known but kind of going off of that and use and just thinking of those Puritans um, there's this stigma of pastors uh, almost of uh, being elevated in their ability to read and, and study scripture yeah. and how they're just, they know more. And so, you know, they'll take whatever you say or I say or Matthew say or whoever else says yes. to heart a lot of times. And so that's where, you know, we feel the weight of, man, somebody's listening to us to so much to the point where they'll they'll put their life sometimes around what we say. Uh, and hopefully it's from scripture and everything. But how do you balance that weight as like of them seeing the authority that you have? Um, but then also, how do you point them to the fact that what you say is not always the end-all, be-all, mm-hmm. while still not sacrificing the authority that you do have from the stage of the fact of God has called me to say this to you all, yeah. but also study the scriptures yourself. Right. You know, does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. Um, as you know, I was a children's pastor for yeah. a long year. <laughs> <laughs> and I love kids, man. I love them, absolutely. And I used to say to my kids, when I would speak on Sunday mornings or whatever to children as a kid's pastor, I would always say, make sure you bring your Bible so that you will know yourself that I'm telling you the truth. And, and I would always condition them over the years to do that. Not that they would doubt me, but they would search truth out for themselves. I think that's important. So I've taken that concept, and it's the reason I say And I know that sometimes it's been repeated or quoted by me. When I get up there on Sunday mornings, just before I teach, I always say what? Grab your devices and your Bibles and turn. I say that for a reason, not because it's repetitious or I'm filling time. But truly, I want people to realize it is their faith, not mine, 
that is going to get them through Monday, Tuesday through Friday, Saturday till they come back. It's their faith in Christ that will get them through. And I think that if we will condition people and teach them continually, it's that personal relationship they have with Christ in their personal study and their personal reading of texts, in their meditation life and in their devotional life, that if we continue to do that, then, then what I realize is that when they come back next week, man, they're ready for Scripture. You know, They're yeah. really ready for that yeah. because they built an appetite for that. Uh, over there. Most people that I've seen over the years that come on a Sunday morning and they can follow you through Scripture and through your teaching for you know 10 minutes or so, and after that they're going to close their Bible and they're kind of disconnected and done with that. Here's my thinking, and I could be totally wrong about this. It's because they haven't really built up an appetite all week for that scripture. And, and, and that's probably, or could be, in my assumption, and we know that's dangerous, that you know, that's the only time that they're opening their Bibles on, that, on, on those Sunday morning settings. The Bible was never intended for us to just read in those moments alone. I just want to take a second in our conversation to let you guys know about another podcast you can check out if you want to further your own personal study of scripture. I would really recommend you guys the Bible Project podcast with Tim Mackey and John Collins. It is a phenomenal podcast. Each episode's about an hour long, and at this point, they have covered any topic you could imagine. So if you're looking into a particular area of study, I would really recommend that to you guys to further your knowledge. I feel like something I've also heard from you several times over the years um, is that you, as a pastor, as a teacher, only have so much time Mm -hmm. to dig into a really rich passage (laughs) and especially now with with our service formats you got 30 to 35 minutes to explain and as we work through romans um it's such a a rich and uh saturated text with so much knowledge and insight that you're only going to be able to hit so much and and it's up to us as the congregation to keep digging in uh Yeah, yeah it is I know I quote Luther a lot, and I'll probably quote a lot of him through Romans because, I mean, it's just that those two go to, you know, it's like peanut butter and jelly. They go very well together. And and, and I quote him, it says, he says about the book of Romans, it is impossible to read or to meditate on this letter too much or too well. It's impossible. (laughs) I love that. It's impossible to read or meditate on this letter too much or too well. And like for Sunday morning, as we jump into chapter one, that I read for background the first 15 verses, but really all we're going to cover Sunday morning is is chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, two verses. Yeah. That's it, because yeah. that's all the time that we have. You yeah. know, It can't be some uh, theological discourse that you sit there for an hour like it is a college class, because then everybody's going to be closing their Bible, and, and I don't blame them. I absolutely understand that. So you got to engage them. And so we have to give them little nuggets throughout that process, especially since we're down to, you know, what we're doing now during with church at, 
at home and those kinds of things. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, I know we talked about the, the significance of having a time of corporate worship and, and receiving God's word together on a Sunday morning. Um, but what are some benefits to studying scripture throughout the week as a group and investing time into a community group where you're talking about the sermon or scripture together versus alone? I I think a a great um, element that you find in that of a community and having those gospel conversations, as we call them often here, is for the purpose of enlightenment. It's for the purpose of God revealing truth to you through someone else. And and that happens so much in, in those settings, especially with texts that we might struggle with often. It's important that we would um, listen carefully, I think, when others discuss those things. I have, I have had those moments of enlightenment in my life because we know that the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is to illuminate the text and the understanding of God. Well, who does the Holy Spirit work through? He works through us, right? He, he works through us. So in those conversations, as you listen carefully, you're going to find a lot of answers to questions that you have from people that are not theologians. And also, secondly, I think, is it gives you an opportunity to encourage others. Yeah. You know, right? That's huge. Yeah. I mean, Paul talks about that in, in, in Romans. He says, hey, I'm, I'm eager to come to you because I, I, I want, we want to encourage one another in our faith. We want to encourage each other. And sometimes an encouragement in our life is to hear that someone else is struggling with the same struggles that we have in life. Because we know that, as we talked about last week, as we did this little prep time for Romans, is that the biggest lie of the enemy is that you're alone on the journey of growing to become more Christ-like. That's the big lie. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's a really beautiful picture of community and just how we were genuinely created for it in that, you know, Scripture has a context and there's a meaning to Scripture that will always stand true. And yet what it's speaking to specifically in someone's life could be completely different than what it's speaking to in someone else's life. The way it encourages someone could be a different way it encourages other people without taking it out of context, without being heretical with the text. Mm -hmm. But then to see other people's experiences, I think is such a beautiful and powerful thing of, and just an example of how God truly did create us for community in that, you know, my eyes can be completely open to the same exact passage that I've read thousands of times because Maybe you, Hannah, or you, Mark, have experienced that piece of Scripture in a completely different way, even though the truth stays the same about it. The way it is um, placed in our life and in our hearts and in the situations of our life is completely different. So I think that's a really, I don't know, it gives me the chills just thinking about it because of how <laughs> yeah, beautiful yeah. Scripture is right, and how much exactly. you really can continually dive in with Romans, I mean, with any book of the Bible. Any but book. Romans is, like Hannah said, I think the word is perfect, saturated. Yeah, that's a good word. Like, those pages are drenched <laughs> with with the, with just pure theology of just every verse. We could spend probably an 18-week series on one verse yeah. of Romans, <laughs> right? Just breaking it down. I think that's what uh, creates excitement in people's lives, right? We, we talk about how can people take this into their week. Uh, you know, this is maybe off a little off topic. I don't think it is. But I just wanted to ask, you know, when you're ending a sermon— Mm-hmm. And you're trying to, you know, an application side of things. Sure. One thing that was told to me really early on, uh, they said, whenever you're preaching, remember that there is power in a question. 
mm-hmm. that a question doesn't always mean doubting, and we know doubting doesn't always mean a bad thing, but how do you kind of present the text or apply the text in a way that then sparks that desire for someone to dive deeper, to then say, I need to go look into this text myself to, yeah. really, to really discover what he's, really, he's talking about here? I think I've learned a long time ago, not that I'm the master of it for sure, but I think one is that usually at the end of a teaching on a Sunday morning um, or any other time that I love to end with some kind of, first of all, an illustration that people can connect to, something that's um, that's very life applicable or or an experience that they can gravitate to maybe not exactly like their experience but say oh yeah i understand that and then lead them into a question jesus was jesus was the master at that was he not i think those the purpose of all those conversations was always to push those people to him was Mm -hmm. always to draw them to him what better way i think like to end the teaching on a sunday morning or or whenever is to say, so here's a thought to drop into your heart. And for you to search that out on your own throughout the week, um, the purpose of teaching the scriptures is not always to give all the answers, I think. you know, And it's not to always to have these declarative words for people either that says, we're right, you're wrong, right? Because... God knows that we're human. I mean, he created us in that those kinds of conversations cause you to become defensive and build a wall, not to really talk the whole time about Romans. Romans deals with some really sensitive issues yeah. in our culture. They really do. Some of those issues, we could, we could stand up on a Sunday morning and say, okay, this is the way it is. We're right. You're wrong. And then just swallow the pill, even though it's pretty bitter. But how much more productive, I think, would be to have a conversation with people and say to them, we want you to give this some thought, to see it this way. And what that does, instead of creating, I think, an argument, what, what better way than to say, Here's what scripture says, and here's what we believe, and this is where we stand. So give this some thought, though. We want you to give this some thought and how this looks for your life and bathe all that in irresistible grace, as always, and leave them with a question. What it does is it creates conversation. In your study, development as a Christian, as a pastor, leader, what book would you recommend people dive into? Hmm. That's a very good question, right? Because um... you can't say Romans. <laughs> <laughs> it's a book outside of the Bible. The book. Outside uh, of the Bible. Yeah. Um, I'm reading a book, and um, I will have to get back with you with the actual author because it escapes my brain. We'll put it. It'll be in the the podcast description. So if you're listening to this. Check out the description, okay. and I'll have okay. it in there. All right. um, the book is called, it's on my nightstand right beside my bed at home, and it is called, if I remember correctly, it's called, it's, a, it's, it's called Generosity. And one of the things that God has 
placed upon my heart, I think, over the past years is to begin to live a more generous lifestyle. And that goes, I think that goes beyond just that of, um, you know, paying your tithing is, is we would use the term or whatever, or being obedient in those areas of just what you say, okay, this is what I should be giving to God. But it becomes a lifestyle for us. I think it goes beyond more than, the book talks about it, it goes beyond more than just resources and money, but it goes far in my time. It's the way I see life and see people that, that because my life is a gift from God, then I live my life as a gift to others. And so that's what God has been really dealing on my heart about. Reba and I have um, been the recipients of generosity recently, and, and it's been such a powerful thing to us to remind us that that is truly the way that God has called us to live is to be generous. And um, so I'll get you that name. The, the author and everything, so people can can read that about a transformational style of living generous in life. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule and being generous. Look at that. You're, already living. <laughs> You're living out the book already. Uh, being generous with your time. I know people love hearing from you, especially outside of the context of a Sunday morning. They love hearing you from on a Sunday morning as well. But just to, to hear a little bit more of your heart for a lot of different issues, um, we really appreciate you uh, being down here with us. Thank yeah. you for the invitation. Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to this conversation that we had with Pastor Mark Gaskew. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to share this and let other people know about this podcast so we can get the word out. And yeah, don't forget to rate and review our podcast. It really helps us out. Have a great week. Bye.